is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Man, oh man, I swear that drawing that Stormy Daniel had done does look like her husband. I am Mark Levin, our number 877-381-3811, To the millions of Levinites out there listening on terrestrial radio, listening on satellite radio, listening on your Mark Levin app, your iHeartRadio app, listening to the podcast, listening, streaming online, we have at least half a dozen ways to listen to this program. And I want to thank you all. Oh, don't forget Amazon Echo device. Well, where to begin? Well, there's a lot to begin with. But I want to hit this issue. There are conservative and libertarian lawyers out there who are making excuses for Associate Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch in his decision in this all-important immigration case. And they're trying to persuade you that Neil Gorsuch is the real originalist here. Not Clarence Thomas, not Sam Alito, and believe it or not, not John Roberts, and not Anthony Kennedy. And the vote was 5-4. to four. The score was tied 4-4 four, four on this deportation statute. And I bet you've been hearing lawyers all day long, conservatives, libertarians, pseudo-conservatives, telling you that actually Gorsuch got it right. He didn't join the five progressive justices. He wrote his own opinion. But he had to vote with them to strike this statute and to go back to Congress and say, well, tighten it up. Because it's too vague. And they compared it to criminal statutes. Criminal statutes that are too vague. We can't have the executive branch or administrative law judges or what have you making decisions about these about you and the criminal context. And you need to be very specific. What kind of law breaking are we talking about here? And then they cite Justice Antonin Scalia. The vagueness doctrine in a case called Johnson. They said even Scalia voted against such a statute for vagueness. And we should be concerned about this. But there's one problem with this entire analysis. It's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Why? Because as my guest in a few minutes is going to explain Daniel Horowitz from Conservative Review... Immigration law has never been akin to criminal law. Immigration law, the Supreme Court has given the executive branch maximum flexibility. We're not talking about United States citizens and criminal law. We're talking about illegal aliens, among others, and immigration law. They're two different things. And the case that went to the court is called Sessions versus Dimayet. 
And he was a foreign national who was convicted twice of burglary, was ordered to be deported by the Obama administration. The Ninth Circuit stepped in and said the clause of the law used to deport him was unconstitutional. Because it's evidently unconstitutional, writes Horowitz, to enforce our own immigration laws unless we spell out every possible crime in the statute so that foreign nationals know the entire laundry list of crimes for which they can be deported. Nonsense. Deportation is different from criminal punishment of American citizens. It always has been. It always has been. That's the history of immigration law in this country. So to hear lawyers from the Cato Institute or, or uh, wherever coming on, of course, they want open borders anyway, but in my opinion. But hearing them go on and on about, you know what, this decision, Gorsuch got it right. No, Gorsuch got it wrong. And then to hear, well, people are criticizing Gorsuch because they want to attack Trump. Is that the dumbest thing you've ever heard? So now we can't analyze a Supreme Court decision? Because it would be an attack on Trump. It didn't even enter my mind that it was an attack on Trump. So Gorsuch could be a very, very good justice, but he could also be wrong. And in this case, he's absolutely wrong. Clarence Thomas is right. Sam Alito's right. Believe it or not, John Roberts is right. And believe it or not, Anthony Kennedy got one right. And Gorsuch is wrong. And that's why he's on the side with all the leftists. Because he looks at this from the wrong perspective. This is not criminal law. This is immigration law. And yet, listen to these so-called analysts who fall right in line. So concerned are they with a cult of personality. We're talking about deporting criminals who are not supposed to be here in the first place. And so, to believe that Gorsuch got it right, geez, you got to believe that Clarence Thomas got it wrong, and Sam Alito got it wrong, and they're rarely wrong. They've now been around a while. So the majority opinion creates super-duper due process on deportations. Now you have to have a laundry list of crimes, A laundry list of crimes, you have to put in a statute for which an individual who's not supposed to be here in the first place can be deported. Now, I explained the other day, even not looking at criminal law and immigration law, Congress passes laws all the time that are vague. And the Supreme Court allows it all the time. Why do you think we have this massive administrative state pushing out regulations, which are nothing more than statutes, in effect. They're laws, they have punishment, they have fines, they have jail sentences attached to them. Over 3,000 laws, sometimes 4,000 a year. The Supreme Court has never stepped in and said to Congress, number one, you can't delegate legislative power to these entities. In fact, it is said you can. And number two, vagueness never comes up. Well, Mark, this is more of a criminal justice issue. We have never treated our immigration laws that way. Never. But now I guess we will. And then we're told that the Gorsuch opinion, unlike the four leftists, of course, 
is an example of originalism. Of course it's not an example of originalism. Unless you turn the entire immigration jurisprudence and history on its head. And then to quote Justice Scalia in a completely different context involving criminal law to justify what's done here on the immigration side is preposterous and intellectually dishonest. Gorsuch decided that this should be viewed in parallel with criminal law. But it's not. And it never has been. Except for now. Because he cast the majority vote with the four activists to strike down what the president's trying to do which is protect the American people from criminals who ought to be deported. It's really appalling. And what else is appalling is how so-called originalists and conservative lawyers are falling right in line behind them. Now, now, I choose to stand with the other four. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Sunday, we had a uh, wonderful Life, Liberty, and Levin on the Fox News Channel, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We had two wonderful guests, Charlie Kirk and Daniel Horowitz. And we were up against the Comey interview that had been hyped for a week, uh, including they bought advertising on the Fox News Channel. And we were up against the Country Music Awards. We crushed CNN. We had a significant audience, uh, more than I thought we would have because of you, my wonderful radio audience, uh, really, really significant off, uh, audience, uh, beyond uh, well well over 1 point, what, almost 1.2 million total, which is big. And um, one of the great draws here is my buddy Daniel Horowitz, who's one of the smartest young conservatives out there, and he writes for Conservative Review. David, uh, David. Daniel, how are you? I'm doing all right, and, and I think that just proves that people are starving for substance, and when you give them steak, you offer steak over candy, they'll take the steak. I believe that, and particularly, particularly conservatives. Now, Daniel Horowitz, you've written a piece. You and I uh, seem to be among the only two, I guess, who are taking on this Gorsuch decision where he throws in with the left, but of course they say for a different reason. I think it's even worse than what the left did. Would you explain what Gorsuch did? No, absolutely. And I think we first need to go back and offer some context here. This is not about Gorsuch as a person or even a jurist on most right. issues. He's going to definitely be with us. Right. This is about stolen sovereignty. There's a growing trend over the last couple of years where the lower courts are blocking deportation after deportation, creating new rights for illegal aliens, rights for, to have an abortion, rights to have advance notification, rights to say goodbye to your family for literally five years um, before you're deported. And these are mainly criminal aliens. These aren't you know, the people doing the jobs Americans won't do. These are the people universally um, everyone wants them out, and they should be out. We have over a million criminal aliens in this country. Now, even in the battles of the Warren era, when they were creating BS rights for all sorts of classes of people to you know, enact a progressive agenda, there's one thing that stood for, for 120 years, and that's called the plenary power doctrine. 
that the political branches of government must determine the future orientation of this country, who we admit, under what circumstances, who we deport as long as they're not a citizen, and the judiciary stood out of it. There is no judicial review over that. Over the last couple of years, the lower courts have completely shredded that. They're blocking even people Obama wanted to deport. Um, and there were some minor Supreme Court cases where Roberts and Kennedy were starting to join the left and do the same thing. In this particular case, you have an individual who was convicted twice of burglary. Now, since the colonial times, it was understood that something on par with that would be a deportable offense. That was abundantly clear. But even if it's not clear, you do not have a Fifth or Sixth Amendment due process right against deportation. A foreign national does have fundamental rights. You can't lock the guy up indefinitely. You can't you know, kill him without a trial. You can't take his property. But deportation, as you mentioned in the opening, that's an extension of sovereignty. That's not a punishment. It's the, the fundamental point that Gorsuch is getting wrong is if you invite me into your house and I start doing funny stuff there and doing things you don't like, what you can't do is beat me up and lock me up in your attic. But what you can do is say goodbye and push me out. That's not a punishment. That is you enforcing your sovereignty. That is the most embedded aspect of our – really our jurisprudence over almost any issue, and it's very disturbing that Gorsuch is now opening up this can of worms that deportation is now treated like a criminal punishment that is subject to full due process plus a very robust due process that he's creating with this fair notice of, of wrongdoing. And people need to understand, fair notice of wrongdoing is intended to create a panoply of rights, and it is intended to assert uh, a, a due process that is far beyond anything ever contemplated here. And tell me, what will the immigration movement and the immigration lawyers do with a ruling like this? Oh, my gosh. I mean, this is like pouring gasoline on a burning fire that we, we needed to dump water over it, and we needed the Supreme Court to clamp down on it. And even Roberts and Kennedy were willing to do that. Remember, this started in the Ninth Circuit. Um, and, in fact, what they're going to do is keep in mind that more than any other issue, Congress for decades has given the executive branch discretion in this field to keep out bad people or deport bad people, and for good reason. Even if you generally do not like broad discretion, which as conservatives we don't, in the case of immigration, it's highly appropriate and deeply rooted in our history and tradition. Now the courts are going to pick apart every single statute, for example, where we say if someone is likely to be a drug user, they're inadmissible. Well, how do you determine that? How do I know? Um, there's now, like I said, a right to know, right for asylees to know that you have a 12-month window for an application. A judge just said that. They do this every day, and I, I honestly think a lot of people defending Gorsuch aren't paying attention to the jurisprudential velocity of what's taking place at the lower courts. I think they're doing what the left does. They're result-oriented. They want to support Gorsuch. This isn't a matter of supporting Gorsuch. This is a matter of intellectual honesty and objectivity. And you look at what he's written, and you look at what the, the, uh, the, the minority wrote, essentially, and uh, you can see what Gorsuch has done. Gorsuch has taken the criminal, the criminal law mindset and, and applied it to immigration law. And so you're right. And we have administrative law judges for a reason. You know, every immigrant doesn't get to go into federal court and do process. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if they did? 
Can you imagine if all this is litigated as if they're United States citizens? And as you point out in your article, this is going to happen, not necessarily in federal court, but we're, our, our administrative processes are going to be overwhelmed with filing after filing after filing, demanding that the government prove its case. Well, it's not just administrative court. It actually is happening in the Article Three courts now. Um, they're, they're going to the appellate courts left and right, and they're specifically shopping it. To yeah, the but time. I'm explaining to people. It starts in the administrative sure. courts. It doesn't start in the federal district courts. Sure. But anyway, no. go ahead. And, and, then, and then they take it straight from there to the federal courts of appeals. And guess what? They purposely try to have these class action lawsuits in the Ninth Circuit or some of the worst ones like the Fourth Circuit. And well, now the now the Supreme Court apparently, and, and and now the Supreme Court because now they know. I mean, believe me, while some of the conservative apologists are saying no, this is not about immigration; it was a vagueness doctrine. Believe me, the National Immigration Lawyers Association, which has thousands of uh, very uh, fierce uh, um, attorneys looking for for the right opportunity to invalidate almost every deportation, they're looking at this and they see a huge opening. Um, p- part of what disturbed me from what I heard uh, from Gorsuch, and by the way, I covered this six months ago during oral. We're going to carry you over after the bottom of the hour, so hold your fire. We're not done. Oh, Mark, this is so boring. This affects your life with a million alien criminals in this country. I'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. The establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811. You're listening to me and Daniel Horowitz of Conservative Review. Now, Daniel Horowitz, you say you were at the Supreme Court during oral argument. And there, as you wrote, you were concerned about the line of Justice Gorsuch's questions. Explain. Sure. One of the things he was saying is that the severity of deportation is probably worse than even imprisonment. You know, most people would rather sit in prison for six months than be uprooted for the rest of their lives. So the argument he's positing here is not just, hey, just fix the statute. He's saying something very fundamental. He is saying that deportation is now a criminal punishment that requires all forms of due process, where in fact, like I said before, it's just an extension of sovereignty. Justice Robert Jackson, who, as you well know, is the great champion of due process. He was the dissenter in Korematsu, uh, the lead prose- prosecutor at Nuremberg. He said that due process does not invest any alien with a right to enter the United States, nor confer on those admitted the right to remain against the national will. 
and we see this final solid principle um, being broken down by everyone on the left and now even some on the right. And uh, what did the minority say in this decision? You know, the the main point, um, and it was kind of divided between Roberts and Thomas. Thomas obviously doesn't believe in general that most of the vagueness doctrine is embedded in the Fifth Amendment of due process. Obviously, we don't like vague statutes and strong executive power on many regulatory issues. But the reality is, according to Thomas, I mean, if you're a true originalist, is it really in the Fifth Amendment that you need that degree of fair notice? That was an academic debate between uh, Scalia and Thomas. But what everyone agreed is that as it relates to immigration, um, Clarence Thomas quoted from John Marshall, none other than the original judicial supremacist, in an address to the Virginia State Legislature, he said that the right of remaining in our country is vested in no alien. He enters and remains by the courtesy of the sovereign power, and that courtesy may at pleasure be withdrawn without judicial review. So it turns out there is no... Let, let me just slow down. Let's get down to the basics here. Somebody comes into the country illegally. They're found out. They're apprehended. And they're removed. That was the original notion. They don't come into the country illegally. They're found out. Then they get to claim due process rights, get a lawyer, and go into court. Well, isn't it funny that this guy committed the burglary when? In 2009. He's still here. I mean, that's the amazing thing. It takes years to deport even the worst actors. We're not talking about a guy that got some sort of a parking ticket. He was twice convicted of burglary. So he has as much due process as you could ever imagine. And they did not they, – they never envisioned this. In 1954, in Galvin v. Press, uh, Felix Frankfurter said that as it relates to those staying here or trying to remain in the country and seek judicial review – that the formulation of these policies in, is entrusted exclusively to Congress has become as firmly embedded in the legislature and judicial tissues of our body politic as any aspect of our government. So why do you think conservative lawyers and commentators are giving a pass to Gorsuch? I mean, some of it's become a real cult of personality with Gorsuch. I mean, they like him even more than Thomas now. Some of it's because they're broadly very zealous about this vagueness doctrine, and I, I sympathize with their concerns on the regulatory side, but you can't just apply that to national security and to sovereignty and to immigration. Um, and, and some of it, I think, especially from the libertarian corners, they frankly want open borders, mm-hmm. and they, they like this result, which is why, if you notice, from some of the newer uh, conservative legal eagles – they're only into the economic liberties, but they're not really bothered by the courts upending our civilization, our culture, election law, um, obviously marriage, sexuality, codifying. Hey, I mean, Mark, think about this. They're codifying transgenderism into Title Seven of the Civil Rights Act. Do we need to fix that statute, too, every time a dumb judge, you know, retroactively writes, rewrites it? Mm-hmm. All right, Daniel Horowitz, I appreciate it. You're a piece... Uh, is excellent over there at Conservative Review. I hope people will check it out. There's been a lot of discussion about this today, most of it bad, most of it off the mark. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Will do. Take care. God bless. You too. So the piece is called Gorsuch is Dead Wrong on Immigration. And he is.
and now you know why. And there's going to be many more criminals in this country, many more criminals in this country that otherwise would have been deported by the President of the United States. So we have a decision like this, and then we have sanctuary cities. Is this in the best interest of the American people? I ask you. What these rogue mayors and city councils are doing, is that in the best interest of the American people? What rogue governors like Jerry Brown are doing, is that in the best interest of the people of California? And now what Gorsuch did, and his vote is his vote, that's five to four, in the immigration area, it's going to be much, much, much more difficult now to deport uh, criminals who are here from other countries. And of course, not only is this discussed inaccurately in most quarters, it's not discussed at all. Because we need to focus on Stormy Daniels, or Daniel, whatever the hell her name is. I'm sick of looking at the lady and her slip-and-fall lawyer. I don't want anybody sees there. Two losers. Two losers. Now, this morning, I get up very early. This morning, I took a look at a piece on Twitchy which is a great site, and the Business Insider, which is leftist, but nonetheless, I believe it is. Maybe I'm wrong, whatever it is. And uh, there was a piece there. And it talked about a lawyer in the federal courthouse on, on Monday in front of Judge Kimba Woods, the love judge, And this lawyer was representing CNN and the New York Times. And apparently after the wrangling took place between the government and Michael Cohen's lawyers on attorney-client privilege and whether he's required to reveal the names of a, of a client, the judge seemed to be going in the right direction. But then suddenly this lawyer for CNN and the New York Times jumps up. And this lawyer says, wait a minute, we're in the press and we have the right to know. CNN and the New York Times and the media have the right to know who this other quote-unquote client is. There they are in open court in front of the public, in front of the cameras, or not cameras, in front of the, the media. And she directs Cohen's lawyer to state it in public. And that just demonstrates the love judge isn't a particularly smart judge. You'll see all the liberal media out there saying she's absolutely brilliant. Oh my God, she's the smartest judge of judges. No, she's not. In fact, she appears to be quite dim-witted, if you ask me. This is not a hard area of the law. This is not a hard area of the law. And there's an outstanding piece, as usual, by Andy McCarthy over there at National Review Online. And he's a former federal prosecutor. For 20 years in the Southern District of New York. And he writes, the outrageous outing of Sean Hannity. It violated long-standing, judicially endorsed standards. 
And remember who was behind this, CNN and the New York Times. He said, I've contended that it was outrageous for federal district judge Kimball Wood to direct that talk radio and Fox News host Sean Hannity be publicly identified as Michael Cohen's third client. Cohen, whose law practice is, he, he writes, shall we say, less than thriving. It's under criminal investigation by the FBI and federal prosecutors in the Southern District. He claims only three clients. The other two, President Trump and GOP fundraiser Elliot Brody, acknowledge retaining Cohen. Hannity denies ever having had a formal attorney-client relationship with him. The court's order that Hannity, that his name be disclosed in open court, violated long-standing, judicially-endorsed standards against identifying uncharged persons in legal proceedings attended to criminal investigations. Let me repeat that. So even the thoroughly dim-witted pretend lawyer by the name of Joe Scarborough can hear what I just said. And all the other clowns out there. The court's order that Hannity's name be disclosed in open court violated long-standing, judicially-endorsed standards against identifying uncharged persons in legal proceedings attended to criminal investigation. And this also goes for the genius down the street from me. Hey, I was a lawyer. Okay, good for you. He says, forget about evidence of wrongdoing. There's not even a suggestion that Hannity is involved in any crimes. He's a longtime friend of Cohen's. He says they've had some informal legal discussions about such matters as real estate. And as any lawyer will tell you, informal discussions with non-lawyer friends are common. Hannity insists that he has never retained Cohen to represent him in any legal matter and has never paid him or received an invoice from him. There's no public evidence to contradict this and no suggestion that Cohen has previously represented himself as Hannity's attorney. There's been no intimation that Hannity has any pertinent information about the activities for which Cohen is under investigation. His only relevance to the probe involves the question of whether there is a factual basis for Cohen to claim attorney-client relationship with Hannity, whether that should prevent investigators from pursuing some materials seized by the FBI from Cohen's residences and office. And since Hannity is not suspected of wrongdoing, even that question appears to be of little importance. So there was no reason for Hannity's name to be revealed publicly. Grand jury proceedings are secret by law. When prosecutors and agents conducting an investigation seek judicial warrants to search, eavesdrop on, or arrest subjects, it's done ex parte and in camera, not in public hearings. In short, the public does not have a right to know the names of people, whether or not suspected of wrongdoing, who pop up in a criminal investigation. And ladies and gentlemen, these rules are in place to protect you. Not Hannity, not me, to protect you, the common man, the common woman. So you can go to a lawyer with confidence, knowing that when you have a discussion with a lawyer, it's protected. And prosecutors are not free just to start throwing your names in, uh, in pleadings, in motions, throw them in front of a judge to embarrass you, humiliate you, and ruin you, and even threaten you. Monday's hearing was public. Whether it needed to be is debatable, he writes. The matter is under grand jury investigation, and it involves search warrants. Neither of those things entails public proceedings. Yet the issue for the court's consideration, he's saying, in other words, this isn't an open federal court. 
This isn't a grand jury. Why was this piece public? Yet the issue for the court's consideration was Cohen's motion to bar the government from reviewing the material seized, which he filed publicly. It would probably have been better if Judge Wood had held the hearing under seal. She could later have issued a public decision that explained her ruling on the legal question without disclosing client names or any other factual information related to the investigation that may have arisen. No, no, you don't understand, Andy McCarthy. She's brilliant. The love judges, the smartest judge we've ever seen before. Instead, the judge elected to proceed publicly. But she still should have limited the open court discussion to argument about the legal issue. Retreating in camera, meaning in her office, for any discussion of client names. In any event, the prosecutors could easily have handed Cohen's attorney, Stephen Ryan, a grand jury subpoena demanding disclosure of the client identities. In other words, keep it secret called 6E information, information in front of the grand jury. This was not necessary in open court. Now, that would have required Cohen's lawyer, Ryan, to reveal the identities to the grand jury, but not the public. Clearly, the prosecutors and Ryan were aware of this. As the Atlantic's Natasha Bertrand tweeted yesterday, Ryan was prepared to surrender the information to the government under seal. That's Cohen's lawyer. But Judge Wood was initially disposed to let that happen. Then, however, the judge allowed Robert Balin, an attorney for CNN and the New York Times, to intervene. Balin, the Times reports, argued that potential embarrassment was not a sufficient reason to withhold the purported client's name from the public. And the judge was somehow persuaded by this frivolous contention. And without providing Hannity any notice, an opportunity to be heard on the matter, she directed that his name be disclosed in open court. The flaw in Balin's argument is patent. It is true that if the public has a legal right to know a piece of information, the fact the information is likely to embarrass someone is not sufficient cause to suppress it. But the public has no right to know the names of people who are relevant to an investigation, even if they're suspected of wrongdoing, and Hannity is not. That's why names do not appear in so many of these documents. Instead, it's number one, unindicted co-conspirator, Corporation X, cooperating witness, things of that sort. I'll wrap this up when I return. Mark Lovin. You've heard me talking about the Equifax breach. It's one of the worst breaches of financial information in history. We all wanted to believe companies would clean up their acts, right? But they haven't. It's only gotten worse. Every week we're hearing about another breach. Now it's Panera Bread and Delta Airlines and the Facebook situation. First it was 50 million people. Now it's 87 million. I wonder how many other breaches there are that we don't even know about yet. You can't wait around to see what happens. You can't rely on other people. You have to protect yourself just like I did. And I found the number one best company to take care of me and my family, my ID care. They used to only represent, you know, and help major corporations but now they're willing to help people like us and that's why i chose them and that's why i want to strongly encourage you to do the same thing for less than 10 bucks a month my id care covers you for the nine types of identity theft and they provide a 100 percent identity recovery guarantee if you do fall victim or your money back now you can't find this level of protection anywhere else learn more and get 15 percent off at myidcare.com 
with promo code MARK or call 866-334-3084. That's 866-334-3084. MyIDCare.com, promo code MARK or 866-334-3084. What's the bottom line here? The bottom line is the protection of Hannity's name or your name in a case like this actually has nothing to do with attorney-client privilege. The public has no right to know the names of people, the names of people who are relevant to an investigation, even if they are suspected of wrongdoing, which Hannity is not. Even when the government arrests somebody, as McCarthy writes, even if they arrest someone or formally accuse someone of a crime in an indictment, the names of uncharged persons, uncharged persons, are not disclosed. So that's the rule in every United States attorney's office in the nation, 93 of them. That's the rule at Maine Justice in Washington, D.C. That's the rule in every fort, uh, 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 federal courthouse in America, except in front of the love judge, Kimba Woods. She directed Mr. Cohen's lawyer in open court to reveal Sean Hannity's name at the request of CNN's lawyer, a lawyer also for the New York Times, and CNN ran with this day in, hour in, hour out, and they never revealed that it is they, CNN and the New York Times, that went into court to drag Hannity's name through the dirt. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I want to go through this again. This is very important. CNN and the New York Times sent their lawyer into this federal courthouse in front of a left-wing judge who's not particularly bright, as it turns out, Kimball Woods, the love judge. The government is saying, no, no, attorney-client privilege, he's not really an attorney, so, you know, we get to keep everything, and then they argue in the alternative, and besides, we can create this, uh, what's called a Chinese wall, and we can have FBI, excuse me, FBI agents and investigators look at this stuff, or untainted, you know, a taint, untaint unit, um, to look at this stuff who aren't actually involved in the case. Michael Cohen's lawyer says, no, 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 we need a special master. This should go to a third party, somebody we respect who looks it all over. And um, then the judge says, okay, well, I mean, I'm going to decide for the government right now because, of course, we can trust the prosecutors in the Southern District. They're outstanding. That's what she says. So many words. Then there's this nebbish lawyer said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I represent CNN and the New York Times. We want to know who that other client is. The public has a right to know. The public has a right to know. So the moron judge thinks about it and says, yeah, you're right. I order you to disclose the name of your other client, Sean Hannity. And the audience, oh, my God, Hannity. 
Dershowitz goes on Hannity's show. You know, Sean, you should have revealed that. Should have revealed that, Sean. What's the other guy? Owen Williams. Yeah, Sean should have revealed that. I mean, it's obvious conflict. That's just Fox. Then there's a and CNN. You have Colbert, who's a moron. Kimmel, who's a moron. They don't understand any of the issues. Doesn't matter. And Andy McCarthy says, this is all BS. That, in fact, the court and the government should have protected his name. As they do everybody else in every federal courthouse where U.S. attorneys are involved. And the judge knew it. And the U.S. Attorney's Office knew it. So that tells you what kind of court we have here and what kind of lawyers we have involved in this case. And McCarthy writes in his piece in National Review, though they apparently chose, that is the government lawyers, not to remind Judge Wood of the long-standing policy to keep the names of people like this out of public view, because, you see, here's the reason. You can have the government filing all kinds of papers, naming all kinds of people. Next thing you know, they hurt their reputations. They hurt their, uh, their business responsibilities, their employment responsibilities, or they create a spectacle like exactly what they did. Exactly what they did in Hannity's case. So the United States Attorney's Manual, the manual, admonishes that, quote, in all public filings and proceedings, federal prosecutors should remain sensitive to the privacy and reputation interests of uncharged third parties. So unless a person has been formally charged with a crime, not only should the government avoid publicly naming the person, federal prosecutors are further schooled to avoid even an unnecessarily specific description that might reveal them. In other words... While calling Hannity client number three would have been proper, even referring to him as an example as SH would have transgressed the policy. There is no justification, none, for publicizing his full name. The Attorney General, excuse me, the U.S. Attorney Manual elaborates. Federal courts have held that there is ordinarily no, quote, no legitimate government interest served by publicly naming an uncharged person. Now, that's the case even when charges against the person are being contemplated. A fortiori, there's no excuse for gratuitously embarrassing someone who's suspected of no wrongdoing. The investigation of Cohen involves the suppression of information about extramarital affairs and so forth and so on. Hannity has nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with payments. And then McCarthy ends his piece by saying, under this kind of justice, courts protect uncharged people from being identified in public proceedings in connection with criminal investigations. The failure of the court and the government lawyers to enforce that standard just adds fuel to the fiery contention that where President Trump is involved, investigations are driven by politics. 
not law enforcement. There was no justification whatsoever, legal or ethical, for this federal judge, the love judge, Kimball Woods, directing Michael Cohen's lawyer, this Stephen Ryan, to release the name of his client, Sean Hannity. And Sean Hannity denies even being his client. It doesn't much matter. Moreover, the government lawyers in that courtroom are supposed to represent we, the people. And they should have objected and said, we're not asking for the release of his name. We don't believe his name should be released either, or her name. And then the slip and fall lawyer for CNN and the New York Times. The public has a right to know. The judge knows the public doesn't have a right to know. In other words, the government doesn't have the right to smear anybody, and neither does the judge. And neither do CNN and the New York Times. And look, they did exactly what the rule is intended to be in place to protect. To smear somebody. They did exactly that. Pretty damn incredible, don't you think? So Hannity's name is released in violation of the U.S. Attorney's Manual, in violation of judicial protocol. You know, Sean, you should have told everybody uh, that you, uh, you know, worked with the guy and you asked him some legal questions and so forth and so on. And yesterday and the day before, I went through all the conflicts and all the lies and all the hypocrisy of the media, all the frauds that they are. So don't hand me, hey, 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 you should have announced it. Like you're supposed to sit there every time something could. You know what? I think I asked that guy a question or three or five. I don't know. But I want you to know. Oh, wow, that clears up everything. Some of us believe that attorney-client privilege means something. Some of us are very concerned about what's going on in this courtroom with Kimball Woods. doesn't matter if this guy was our lawyer or not. Of course, he wasn't mine, but I'm, you understand the point. The defense of attorney-client privilege, and there is an exception, there's the crime-fraud exception, but the defense of it is important for you. The failure of this judge and the government lawyers in the Southern District of New York to protect Sean Hannity's name as they are to protect any innocent person's name in a criminal case is an abomination. Is an abomination. While you have these clowns, these screwballs on CNN and MSNBC wringing their hands so excited, so excited about the abuse of power in the courtroom. So excited about the abuse by prosecutors. So excited by a nitwit judge. Now, how many of them have consulted lawyers? Does attorney-client privilege apply to them? We have a right to know, they say. Now, you and I don't have a right to know anything, right? You and I don't have a right to know anything. When they have their sources, they say, no, 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 no. We have our sources. You have a lawyer? Well, we have a right to know. So what was done to Hannity was an abuse of power and an abuse of justice. By the United States Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York, 
and by a federal judge, the love judge by the name of Kimba Woods. It was an abuse of power. And CNN and the New York Times, through their lawyer, through their lawyer, encouraged the court and the U.S. Attorney's Office to violate well-understood traditional rules in order to get Hannity. They wanted Hannity. Now you know the whole damn story. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Is there a reason why Jake Tapper never told his audience that CNN's lawyer was in court and sought the release of client number three in Hannity's name? in violation of the standards of the United States Attorney's Office in front of a knucklehead judge? Did the New York Times disclose that? Did MSNBC disclose that? None of them disclosed it. Oh, Sean should disclose. No, you should disclose. You're all a bunch of frauds. That's why the American people detest you. They detest you. And you know you're frauds. You know you're conflicted up the wazoo. You know you're ideologically driven. You know you're treating Trump and conservatives and Fox talk radio differently than you do everybody else. And you do it purposely. Look at this Brian Stelter, who I made famous, or I should say infamous. Or this guy Don Lemon, absolute kook. Jake Tapper, for a long time, he was able to conceal his bias. He can't do it anymore. He's over the edge. Look at MSLSD. What is that? But a meeting of liberal miscreants and malcontents. One dumber than the next. One dumber than the next. And it starts out pretty dumb with the morning schmo and Mrs. Schmo. By the way, the Democrats and some Republicans want to vote down Pompeo as the Secretary of State nominee. Incredible. I'm sure he can't do any better than John Kerry or Hillary Clinton. One question to Pompeo would seal his confirmation with the American people anyway, as far as I'm concerned. Tell me something, Mr. Pompeo. Do you promise not to confer our uranium to Vladimir Putin? Yes or no? No. All right. I'm voting for you. Very simple test. Instead, they want to know about his past positions on gay marriage, on what we now call climate change. Democrats. Party of dunces. All right, let's go to uh, Chris, Bloomington, Illinois, Sirius Satellite. Go right ahead, sir. Hey, Mark. Love your show. Long-time listener. Thank you. Um, got several of your books. I want to tell you that I agree with you 100% on the Cohen thing, and I sadly disagree on, on Gorsuch. With the Cohen thing, I, I speak from experience. I had, I'm had i an attorney here, and I had my office raided in, in 2006, mm. and it's just the the worst thing possible for our democracy. By the U.S. Attorney's Office? 
Uh, by the, the local state's attorney's office. By the state's attorney's office. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, the, did you have to? The, I, I know. I don't want you to get into all of it, but did you have to fight for your your uh, documents and so forth? Well, we we did. Um, it, it, they tried to get them through discovery rules, and the the trial judge turned them down. So they went and petitioned a a, a newly seated judge who didn't have that much experience for for a warrant, and that warrant was granted. Mm-hmm. Um, no. No, none of my other files or anything were disturbed. Um, they just came. Did you get the, it back? How, how did it end? Let me put it that way. The, well, it, it or did it, it end? Ended, well, it ended when the Illinois Supreme Court um, declared the statute that they used unconstitutional. I it see. was uh, about eavesdropping, and there were some. some uh, <clears throat> tapes that were involved in, in client property there. All right, let's get to Gorsuch. Go ahead. With with Gorsuch, my take on it is that his concurrence comes from the the right direction here. We we have a a a statute that <clears throat> suggests that persons who do crimes of violence be deported. And in in this case, my understanding is that the guy didn't do any any kind of violence. Just the statute had defined it that way. Have you ever been burgled? Have you has your house well, ever been burgled? Well, Mark, the bur- no. To answer your question, no. Um, violence doesn't necessarily you, mean it involves harming an individual, right? Mark, I would. I why, would. Why are you so defensive? They, you don't need to mark. Just answer oh, me. Does it? I'm sorry. No, you're right. Somebody breaks into your home, steals stuff, destroys stuff, whatever they're doing in your house. It's pretty damn violent, isn't it? But that's not even the point. <clears throat> the point is the executive branch, unlike criminal law, I have to keep repeating this, this is immigration, unlike criminal law, uh, if, uh, as respects uh, citizens, uh, the threshold is different for foreigners who are in this country. Congress has decided the threshold is different. I don't want the public out here, my listeners, to get the impression that there's no, uh, there's no language in this statute whatsoever. There is language in this statute. It's just that it's being twisted. It's not specific enough, you see. It was perfectly fine before, but it's not fine now. All right, sir, thank you for your call. I don't mean to upset him, I'm just saying. Let us go to Donna in Frederick, Maryland, the great WMAL. Go right ahead. Hello, Mark. It's a pleasure to be on your show tonight. Uh, This whole thing with respect to Sean is such an outrage. It it should have never happened. The invasion of Cohen's office, his home, his hotel, and and everything that they're throwing at at Trump. I don't know what, listen, I don't know what this warrant is. I don't know what they're investigating. So let's really focus in, Donna. You had CNN, among others. A bunch of clapping seals. They could, couldn't even contain themselves. They had to hand out the pens. That's how, that's how excited they were. So excited. Go, going know. after Hannity and mocking him and so forth and so on. And did they ever, ever announce that it was their lawyer who went in court and undermined the rules? No. And, and you know what, Mark, what the bigger outrage is? Whatever, they've got us so distracted with this. 
And I'd love to hear your views on Sean's legal recourse also when I'm done with this. Well, I don't know that he has any legal recourse. A judge did the order. So what's he going to do, sue the judge? Uh, I I wish he could go after CNN and be new. Well, there's nothing he can do with CNN. It's a public figure and so forth and so on. And what is he going to do? Get in front of a court with, with another Kimba Woods? All right, Donna, thank you for your call. I shall return. The Common Liberal. Talk to Mark now at 877-381-3811. You know, ladies and gentlemen, sure, you could have surgery to look younger. Of course, that surgery could go very badly. But why on earth would you do that? Listen to Joanne from Connecticut. My husband looks 10 years younger using Genesel. He saw results the first day he used it. I've also had remarkable results. Can't be without it. Now, I know Chamonix products work. I've got a good buddy. I've told you about him. His name is Teddy. He uses them, and he loves them. In fact, when we go over his house, he shows me them. He shows me the products. And, of course, I have other family members who use them as well. Now, imagine the bags and puffiness under your eyes gone. That's years off your appearance. Genesel for Chamonix is an easy choice. Genesel contains natural ingredients for incredible results safely and quickly. It's as simple as that. In fact, with immediate effects, this is important, listen to this. With immediate effects, you'll see results like Joanne's in as little as 12 months or your money back, guaranteed. So there's no risk. You'll see results in as little as 12 hours or your money back, guaranteed. And right now is the perfect time to try Chamonix's brand new Genesel eyelid for droopy, sagging eyelids. Order Genesel today and get the brand new Genesel eyelid lift absolutely free. Go to Genesel.com, that's Genesel.com, or better yet, call their toll free number 800 Skin 604, 800 Skin 604. If you call now, my listeners get a surprise luxury gift absolutely free. That's why you want to order this through the numbers that I give you. Order now and shipping is also free. That's call 800-SKIN-604. That's the key. 800-SKIN-604. Or go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. All right. Let's see who we have here. Joe! Claremont, Florida, the great WXJB. Go! Yeah, great one. Uh, I called in to talk about the immigration, especially deportation. Your previous guest mentioned some of it, and you said some of it, so I'd like to put a little more of it together. There are different stages, which you just said, and levels of requirements. Uh, your former customs officer, correct? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I was an immigration special agent for about 11 years. I couldn't right. stand it. I've answered that long and transferred out. Okay. Go right ahead. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry, Mark. Uh, to, to enter the United States, the requirements are very strict. Once you're in the United States, uh, you come in as a temporary, like a, uh, a tourist or a businessman or um, could be a baseball player, things like that, a student. And the requirements are a little bit stricter to throw those people out, to deport them. 
And then there's a third level, which is a, a lawful permanent resident. Everybody knows who that is. That's a green card holder. And the requirement's very strict to throw those people out. And uh, uh, after five years, it gets even stricter. Uh, the the uh, alien in the United States basically is serving under a contract with the government of the United States, just like a tenant would, would have a contract with the landlord. And if you break that, uh, the tenant breaks the contract with the landlord, he gets evicted. That's very similar, and that's a, uh, a civil court, a special court. You don't need as much proof. Uh, you don't need reasonable doubt and so forth. It's much less. And if an alien breaks his contract with the government, uh, by, let's say, a, a tourist accepting employment or something like that. That would be uh, um, administratively breaking his contract. Uh, the government would move to deport him, and the same levels should apply. Um, and I think that's a... That's How about criminals? Simple. Well, now there's a, another aspect, and those are criminals. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, aspect uh, requirements for deportation, and you, both of you guys mentioned this. There's such a thing as a crime involving moral turpitude. In other words, burglary, um, certain levels of assault, those kinds of things. Um, uh, they require uh, maybe one instance, uh, and you would be deportable, even a permanent mm -hmm. resident, or sometimes two instances. Let's just be clear, though. There's a whole set of rules that apply to immigration, and immigration only, Correct. Yep, and it's... Uh, and there, I just want to make clear. There's a whole set of rules that apply to immigration, immigration only. There are administrative law judges that have, that have as their only purpose to deal with immigration cases, correct? Absolutely. And the first so, hold on now. So we set up a administrative court system. We have administrative regulations and rules. We have immigration statutes. And so then to take all that, bundle it together, and then project criminal statutes or criminal due process on top of that is, as Daniel Horowitz writes, and as I point out as well, is to turn the whole immigration system on its head. It's You're not prosecuting somebody for committing a crime who stays in the United States if they commit a crime here in the United States for immigration and deportation purposes. That's a different matter. All right, Joe, thanks for your expertise. Very, very helpful. Jacob, Tom's River, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Mark, it's the biggest time to be able to speak to you. I have a lot to say. I'll, I'll make it really quick. First of all, the reason why I listen to you is because you have earned trust, and you are a real conservative, just like Daniel Horowitz. Gorsuch, I am really, really, really turned off. I really think this man is not a real conservative. I remember when it was time for Trump to appoint a uh, Supreme Court justice. Now, before you do this, before you do this. Why? Because of this one decision? Yeah, but it's not just that. It's just that if Kennedy, which is not a real conservative, was on the right, and he went with the leftists onto the left, I mean, it just shows how the man thinks. He's not. Now, he, did, he, didn't, he didn't embrace the leftist arguments. He created his own, but he, in the end, he wound up voting with them. Exactly, but the way his argument was, it's just not a real conservative mindset. He doesn't, he doesn't think like Mike Lee. Anyway... Let me let me just say a few other things that, um, we, you know, you're talking about these judges that, that I don't know if you follow what happened in New York before Passover. There was a judge that released a criminal multiple times after he did major crimes. And uh, she ended up 
driving drunk and killing a Jewish couple that just got engaged. Did you hear about that story? No. Yeah, Levin. You can you can search it. It's all over the news. And the judge went up and said, "Now it's my bad. It's my bad." Is he going to step down now? Is he going to be mm-hmm. prosecuted? These judges do whatever they want. It's just, it's so corrupt. It's just, Mark, I love you. I only listen to you, Mark. You're the best. All right, Jacob. Well, thank you, and God bless you, buddy. God bless you. Um, apparently there's, well, should I go here? Maybe, maybe I'll touch on it. Mr. Uh, producer, are you there? Can you read my palm? Do you palm read, by the way? You don't palm read? I'm just curious. Palm read. No, you don't palm read. That's interesting. What is it? You're not deep enough thinker to palm read? You're not? How about tea leaves? Can you read the tea leaves? Can you read tea leaves? How about cards? You read cards? There used to be these scams on the boardwalk in Atlantic City where we went, you know, every summer. These people would set up a room and they would read your cards, you know, your tarot cards. They became very rich this way and then they'd leave town, you know, before the cops could catch up with them. I was never quite deep enough to get caught into that trap. You know what I mean? All right. Jacqueline, New York City, New York, the great WABC. Go. Hi, Mark. Long-time listener. Love the show and particularly loving Life, Liberty, and Levin. Thank you. Terrific. But the reason I'm calling is because why has this woman not, the judge in this case, this Kimber Wood, why wasn't she asked to recuse herself? This is the same woman. Wasn't this the woman that was nominated by the Clintons for attorney general? She was. Uh, She was the second failure, and it turned out she had illegal immigrants working for her. But don't worry, she paid her taxes, they tell us. Partisan. And they must have shopped for her. And and about a decade ago, she she was the judge who married George Soros and his wife of, what, 40 years younger, whatever it was? Exactly, exactly. But of course, I don't pass judgment. But uh, my point is, why did she reveal her connection? Well, her connection's known, but... Here's the problem. You're not going to get a whole lot of uh, non-liberal, non-Democrat judges in Manhattan. Just saying. And uh, we've already been told she's absolutely brilliant. She absolutely screwed up, and yet she's absolutely brilliant. Have you seen anybody in the mainstream media criticizing her for her outrageous decision in open court? No. 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 And there are two stupid over there at Cena. Hey, we have our legal analyst, Jeffrey Tubin. Legal analyst, my foot. Guy's a schmo. Over there at MSLSD. The only legal analyst they have is a lawyer who gives them advice on sexual harassment cases. Whatever happened, morning schmo, to that Mark Halpern? All of a sudden, all the sexual harassment cases in the media are gone. I guess they cleaned out all the perverts. Thank you for your call, Jacqueline. Same with Congress. Remember that? That was hot for about two weeks. What was her name? Gillibrand. Gillibrand. Who had her head so far up, you know whose butt. Clinton's holding on to the guy for his, uh, you know, campaign prowess. Raising money for her campaign. And all of a sudden she turns and, yeah, I don't like him anymore. No, no. She, she's the leader. And all, we don't hear from her anymore. There's no more sexual harassment going on in Congress. Yay! And, of course, Hollywood. 
clean as can be. Now, forget about that. Let's talk about the porno star and let's get Trump. Let's get his lawyer. Let's get his kids. Let's get his wife. Let's get his businesses. Get him, get him, get him. Let us go to Mike, Fort Worth, Texas, the great WBAP. Go. Hi, Mark. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I really uh, enjoy your show. I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you. And um, the point I was wanting to make is about this uh, Gorsuch going with the majority on this one, but that's not specifically. It's just the general trend. Um, is there some correlation between George Orwell's Animal Farm and who gets to make decisions? I mean, we have co-equal branches, right? Each one. You mean 1984? No, Animal Farm. Animal Farm. Yes. And co-equal branches? Yeah, because Animal Farm, the theme was we're all equal. Animal Farm was a, was a story, a fiction about, in, in essence, the rise of tyranny and fascism. Yeah, and the, and the commune thing, and everybody's, you know, we're all, you know. But what's your question? Well, why does the president, mostly in Congress to some extent, bow down to the court when they're all co-equal. Is Mr. Producer, there... we have a copy of Men in Black there. We do not. We need to get some. Because I wrote a, my first book goes into this in enormous detail. And I wish I could, could give you a 30-second uh, answer. It's not so simple. But uh, the courts that are supposed to be independent now are supreme. And that's a problem. We have judicial tyranny. And that's why when everybody says, let's take it to court, let's take it to court. Uh, we're a little schizophrenic about this. But if you look, um, and uh, I also wrote about this in Ameritopia. Well, let's send him a copy of Ameritopia, at least. Uh, if you look at Woodrow Wilson and the progressives uh, of the last century, Mike, what they argued is it's really the courts that can change society. It's really the courts that can bridge the gap between the uh, separation of powers and centralized power. Uh, because they felt quite firmly that they could get uh, their progressive intellectuals, lawyers, professors, uh, so forth, on the courts, and then they could use the courts to dictate, you know, societal aims and means. Um, and I've talked about this at great length, and they've created this massive bureaucracy. I've talked about this long before the president, this president was elected, which is a permanent governing force, the fourth branch of government that's not in the Constitution. Again, this is... Uh, uh, untouchable under our Republican system, the way it's been set up. And then, of course, uh, if the Democrats win an election, it's a legitimate election. And if they lose an election, it's an illegitimate election. So they win when they lose. Because even when they lose, they have a permanent bureaucracy and they have uh, 40% of the judges in the country in their pocket, like Kimba Woods. Now, she was appointed by Reagan. By Reagan. Now, let me tell you how that happened. Thank you for your call, Mike. There are essentially three levels of federal judges without getting into the particulars of these administrative judges and so forth. That is federal district courts, appellate courts, and the Supreme Court. The only court that's mentioned in the United States Constitution under Article Three is the Supreme Court. And it states what its powers are, and they're rather limited. These circuit courts, the appellate courts, are created by Congress. The district courts are created by Congress. What's happened over the years is that in order to get these people confirmed, you need the Senate to confirm them, the President proposes, and the Senate confirms or doesn't confirm. So over the decades, what's happened is 
if a president of an opposition party wants to get, say, say there's three federal district court openings in a particular area, in a state, let's pick it that way, in a state. What, what's happened here is there's a lot of jockeying. So if there's a Democrat or two from the state, they'll say, hey, look, Mr. President, and it's a Republican president, you're not going to get your district court judges unless you give us one. So then there's a negotiation that takes place. Okay, Mr. President, you want these two, we want this one. And Kimba Woods, that's how she became a federal district court judge. She was a Democrat selection who was appointed by Reagan in order to get others confirmed. So when you hear these moron reporters saying, hey, but Reagan appointed her, Reagan appointed her, now you know the truth. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. So CNN did not reveal that it was their lawyer who went in court. Maybe they're working with Stormy Daniels over there at CNN. Maybe they're working with Stormy Daniels. I don't know. They're very much infatuated with her. Have you noticed the media are infatuated with her? How many perverts there are in the media? I'm starting to think they keep bringing her on the show because they just, they're perverts. Let me put it that way. Stormy, tell us about your past. Stormy, tell us what the president is. Stormy, Stormy. The hell's going on in this country? It's really sick. She signs a non-disclosure agreement. She gets $130,000 and somehow she's the victim. She's the victim. Did she ever give the $130,000 back? No. And now apparently she's, she's going to these strip clubs or whatever it is. I don't know the details, of course. but And she's getting an enormous amount of money. Can't bring that up. You know, it's a fact. Attorneys are expensive. You're likely to pay around $300 an hour. Whoa! And that's just one reason why smart business owners turn to LegalZoom. Listen to this. Over 2 million Americans have used LegalZoom to start their businesses with LLCs, incorporation, and more. But even after your business is set up, LegalZoom can still help you. Lease agreements, changing tax laws, contract reviews are all part of running your own business. But they're precisely the kind of legal hurdles that take time and effort away from your growing your business. So LegalZoom created their business legal plan. Listen to this. With the, with the business legal plan, you get legal advice for your business from vetted independent attorneys and tax professionals available in every state. Now you get access to NDAs, lease agreements, and more. The best part, you won't get charged by the hour since LegalZoom isn't a law firm. Instead... You just pay one low upfront price. Check out the business legal plan at LegalZoom.com right now and get special savings when you enter Levin at checkout. That's the key. LegalZoom.com, L-E-V-I-N at checkout. LegalZoom, where where life meets legal. LegalZoom.com, enter Levin at checkout. I'll be right back. Here. Now, broadcast. 
Broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know we're losing the country to the left and the culture the left has created when... The View TV show is being cited every time somebody shows on there, shows up there. I never watched that show. Do you watch that show, Mr. Producer? The View? It should be called The Yentas. Now, Stephen Colbert, you've heard of him. He is a unfunny left-wing kook. And he seems to have uh, stock, uh, Spock ears. You see, you see the guy's ears? No offense, but, you know, with him, anything goes. His brother's a big Democrat lawyer, as I understand it. I also understand his brother's a nice guy, unlike Stephen Colbert. But just to show you what goes on in the shadows of his show, this is from Breitbart, John Nolte. There's a writer for The Light Show with Stephen Colbert. Her name is Jen Spira. S-P-Y-R-A, if that is her name. And he writes, she's facing a public backlash for reacting to the news of the passing of Barbara Bush with a joke about the former First Lady's looks. And here was her joke that she tweeted out. Rest in peace, Barbara Bush, the only woman who was, 30, who was 92 for 30 years. This is a writer for Stephen Colbert. Colbert being an unlicensed uh, proctologist. Colbert who is hawking home colonoscopy kits. I don't even need a writer, I just make this stuff up myself. So uh, that's what she wrote. Jen Spira, the writer for The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Rest in peace, Barbara Bush, the only woman who was 92 for 30 years. Very funny. Don't you think that's funny, folks? Very funny. And then, of course, you've probably heard by now about this uh, tenured professor. This tenured professor, you know, Tenure gives a lot of these professors the idea that they can do whatever they want to do, regardless of what anybody thinks. They call that academic freedom. When a conservative speaks, they call that shut up. Just shut up. Now, this uh, professor, uh, I'm trying to pull this up here, Mr. Producer. This professor, let's see here. Well, she basically called Barbara Bush a racist. She wondered what all the fuss was about over her death. Professor, tenured professor on the taxpayers' rolls. But I'm not going to go through all this. It's just too disgusting, don't you think? But this is par for the par for the course. Par for the course, as far as I'm concerned. Why our brand new equipment there, Mister Producer? We lost, what, three seconds there? We have a backup system. 
And so it, it picks up quickly. All right. Are you sick and tired of James Comey? <laughs> Are you sick and tired of people talking about James Comey? Are you sick and tired of TV shows that have James Comey? Isn't it getting worse and worse as the day goes on? Nobody wants to hear from James Comey. It doesn't get anybody ratings. It doesn't get anybody ratings. But there's a new push on here to trash the president of the United States. And what they do is they not only pick the usual left-wing kooks, but they pick these Republicans. Most of them are moderates or liberals, rhinos. Many of them are going to lose, uh, not because of Trump, but because of them. And they're just constantly trashing the president of the United States. So the morning schmo, he's a good sense for these things. He says, let's find people who hate Trump and put them on TV. The morning schmo, which is the highest watch show among the generals in North Korea. And my understanding is the mullahs in Iran, too. They, they much enjoy the morning schmo. Representative Charlie Den is a complete slimeball, in my humble opinion, and he's on the morning show. Big lib. And he's being asked questions by Casey Hunt. Anybody know who Casey Hunt is? Of course not. That's why she's on the morning schmo. Cut five. Go. Are you at all disappointed that Republican leaders have not been more vocal in standing up to him? See, uh, this is how reporters are. Are you has, has any Democrat ever been asked a question like that about Barack Obama? No, of course not. So this is a reporter for the Morning Schmo show, as I understand it, asking Charlie Dent, a phony Republican, a, a, uh, a buffoon from Pennsylvania. Go ahead. Candidly, yes. Uh, I, I believe that we have an obligation as Republicans to stand up for, uh, for what I think we stood for for a long time. We're and what to- would that be, pal? Massive debt? Open borders? Contributing to the evisceration of the military? That's what you did. Charlie Dent. You won't even be a footnote to a footnote to a footnote in history. Go ahead about uh, principles and ideals uh, and I think what's happened is and uh, what are your principles and ideals Charlie Dent go you know, prior to Donald Trump, I've always said that, you know, th- this party used to have litmus test issues, and we had the purity police who would judge us and, and uh, determine the whether... The purity we- police. See, the guy's a goofball. He's a kook. He's a chameleon. The purity test. You know, in other words, if you run on certain positions, you should be held to account. The Republican Party should actually stand for certain principles. Charlie Dent doesn't believe this, because he's a self-serving nobody. Go ahead. Fair enough. I never really liked that because I'm more pragmatic. But since Donald Trump... Oh, he's pragmatic, you see. And he talks fast. Have you noticed? What's he, the uh, Chris Matthews of the Republican Party? Go. Stepped into the breach. Um, You know, the the litmus test has become loyalty to the man. No, it hasn't become loyalty to the man. I come behind this microphone five nights a week. I state my positions. Many of them support the president. Some of them don't support the president. I've had no backlash from the White House. Matter of fact, the one time I was at the White House during this presidency to see the vice president at his invitation, uh, the president invited me to see him at the Oval Office. I've told you about this. He couldn't have been nicer. And he knows and knew that I disagree with him on a few issues. But he also knows I'm not out to sabotage him like Charlie Dent. 
You've got these Benedict Arnolds within the Republican Party who claim to represent the Republican I'm pragmatic. I bet Benedict Arnold said the same. You know what? I'm pragmatic. You're a putz. Go ahead. Trump is not particularly ideological. He's not doctrinaire. And, uh, and that's, and that's... You mean he's practical are. like you, huh, Charlie? Guy's a rambling buffoon. Go ahead. But I think it's incumbent upon us as members of the Republican Party to stand up for things. So when the president goes off the rail on trade, you know, we wait, should... Wait, wait, wait. Did should... the guy just say he, he, he's practical? He doesn't believe in these purity tests, these litmus tests? So when Trump goes off the rail on trade, I've challenged Trump on trade, but this guy makes no sense. He doesn't want to be called a conservative. He doesn't want to be called any. He's, a pra- he's pragmatic. No, he's a clown. Go ahead. If he makes some uh, absurd statements, whether at Charlottesville or about Muslims, or you, know, you go down the whole list of things that he said over the, you know, over the time. Now that's enough. I, I can't, can't take lightweights like this. Speaking of lightweights, did you know Barbara Boxer is still with us? Oh, yeah, she's still with us. She's still with us. And she was on MSLSD. You see, this, this MSLSD is a wasted carbon footprint. It just exists to attack Trump. And the reason why CNN's ratings are so low is because CNN wants to be a MSNBC-type network. So it's an MSNBC wannabe. So neither of them are news operations. Go ahead. How do you think about uh, the, the women in the Republican Party? See, they're, they're, they're asking a left-wing kook Democrat what she thinks about women in the Republican Party. <laughs> what do you think about women in the Democrat Party when Clinton was president? And uh, wasn't one of the Clintons married to your daughter? Isn't that, remember that, Mr. Producer? I seem to recall that. How'd that go? Go ahead. Uh, and the Republican Party that, that Barbara Bush uh, was part of for so long and where it is right now. Well, there's just hardly any moderates there. David will tell you what happened. Well, we just heard from on Charlie Dent. Absolute genius, Charlie. Chuck, may I call you Chuck? Not you, Barbara. I'm talking about Charlie Dent. Like, there's hardly any moderates there. Coming from a left-wing radical nut job in the Democrat. You know, there's hardly any moderates in the Republican Party. Go ahead. If you even talk uh, to a Democrat and what Trump did to the Bush family when he went after Jeb the way he did, so cynically and brutally, was to take a wrecking People ball. forget how Clinton and Gore went after the Bush family and went after George H.W. Bush. Lied about him. Lied about his economic record. Go ahead history of the Republican Party and you know you might say well Barbara what are your credentials for speaking about Republicans I'm a lifelong (laughs) Democrat but you know my first big campaign I supported a Republican named Peter Bear for the state Senate wow you did that's very good Barbara very good this is why MSNBC doesn't have ratings hey let's bring out a guest Barbara Boxer who's that I don't know bring her out Except for Mad Cal. She has ratings. She has big ratings. You know why? She not only tries to appeal to the base of the Democrat Party, she tries to appeal to the base of the base of the Democrat Party. In other words, the asylum. Go ahead. 
environmentalists, we had a different Republican <sighs> Party. And, of course, the Bushes were part of that. And it was... Oh, she didn't support the Bushes. You clown. May I call you clown with all due respect, miss? May I call you madam? Oh, no, I mean senator. But you're not a senator. Now I can call you madam. Remember that one, Mr. Producer? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Have you ever seen a president trash like this? Seriously. Have you ever seen a president trash like this? No, you haven't. Neither have I. Bernie! Bernie, the truck driver, St. Louis, Missouri. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Well, go right my ahead, question, Dan. You're on the radio. Okay, my question is, uh, if Hannity was not a client, why did Cohen even have to give his name? I mean, he's never gotten a bill from him, which I believe Hannity. But Cohen claims he is a client, you see. Yeah, but why would he claim that if Cohen has never even sent him a bill or... I or said anything? Cohen claimed it. Well, I mean, I don't know. But the point is, uh, he did, and that's not even the problem. The lawyer doesn't Pro- the, the, Sir, I'm trying to help you here. The problem is not what Cohen claimed. Whether he claims uh, Hannity as a client or not, the issue here was the revelation of Hannity's name. And you can be a witness, you can just be a, a bystander or whatever. When the federal government's filing these papers, uh, they are supposed to protect the names of people uh, who have really no connection to the case. Yeah. And Hannity has no connection to their case. And the judge, at the uh, urging of the lawyer for CNN and the New York Times, revealed Hannity's name. And then last night, as CNN was... Uh, was, uh, you know, handing out the pens that all the, all the hosts got so excited. Uh, they never mentioned that it was their lawyer who provoked the judge to do what she did. Wow. Amazing, isn't yeah. it? It is amazing. If I, was, if I was Hannity, I would be really upset at all this. He's a tough guy, though. Yeah. All right, Bernie. Thanks for your call. Jim, Henderson, Nevada, the great K-Dawn, K-D-W-N, Go. Okay, thank you. Uh, I just have a quick question. I wondered if you suspect, as I do, that uh, CNN had the name of the third person before they went into court to ask for it, if Hannity's name had been leaked to them. So you're wondering if the lawyer already knew? Yes. May have. Yeah, that's my only question. May have. All right, Jim, thanks. But after the fact, all the so-called reporters and hosts on CNN knew, or should have known, that it was their lawyer who was in court who provoked this. But they never said a word, not a word, because they're all frauds and fakes. Kelly, Waterford, Michigan, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? Um, Hi, um, I'm well, Mark. Thank you. Um, I had two questions. You just answered one about uh, why would uh, um, Cohen even drop Hannity's name, but you answered it. But my other question is, does Trump have the authority to recuse anybody from future responsibilities, like um, like Mueller? Can he recuse him? Because that way he's... No, the... the, Somebody else can't recuse somebody else. It's the person involved has to recuse themselves, him or herself. All right, thank you. All right, Kelly. Linda, 
Fairfax, Virginia, the great WMAL. By the way, your congressman is this slime ball by the name of Jerry Connolly. Jerry <laughs> Connolly, slime ball, who, who's with this group um, that, uh, anyway, go ahead. I can't stand the guy. <laughs> You'll have to stand in line with a lot of people to think the yes. same way. And not only that, he's dumb as hell. Go right ahead. He's not swift. I want to thank you uh, for getting to the heart of the matter, separating the truth from the fiction that the uh, leftist media spews. Uh, a couple of comments, and I'm going to go back to the love judge. I, I think you listeners might like to know that this particular judge once trained as a, a Playboy bunny. And it was one of the reasons that old Joe Biden refused to support her when Clinton nominated her. Uh, he knew wait, wait, wait. Joe Biden wouldn't support her because she had been a Playboy bunny? He knew about this. Yeah. He knew that she trained as a Playboy bunny. And in fact, she had no law enforcement background, nor did she have any managerial experience. But training as a Playboy bunny would come back to haunt her. Now, going further with the love judge bit, um, I'm sure that your listeners may well be aware of the fact that she's had or had a long-running uh, affair with uh a millionaire, multimillionaire financier uh, on Wall Street, uh, Frank Richardson, who kept ledgers and logs of all of this, and his wife found them. So that was printed. Now that's that hasn't been that hasn't been talked about. Are you saying the love judge was having an affair with a married man? Oh yeah, and so she and Stormy <laughs> should, you know, with the, with the Playboy bunny bit and and the the, the uh, supposed. <laughs> Married men bit that old. So you think she should refuse to hear the case given her past? Absolutely. I mean, not not only did she, as you mentioned before, she she married George Soros for the third his third marriage. She officiated, and he, of course, as everyone knows, donated ten million. And why would he pick her of all people? That is a question that isn't that I think Deserves some some. Digging into and on top of all of it, she's obviously not brilliant, like the lib media keeps saying. She couldn't even get this right when it came to Hannity's name. And you know what? I'm convinced, Linda, she didn't want to get it right. All right, thank you. Excellent call. We'll be right back. The champion of liberty and true conservatism. Call Mark now. 877-381-3811. You know, it's time to give your bathroom the cleaning it deserves. Get rid of all the junk that's lying around. Freshen it up with high-quality products from Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club delivers everything you need to look, smell, and feel your best. Razors, shave butter, shampoo, body wash, toothpaste, everything. I get an amazing high-quality shave using my Dollar Shave Club, the Executive Razor. And their Dr. Carver Shave Butter is fantastic. It goes on clear, so you can actually see where you're shaving. And since DSC delivers everything to you, you don't have to set foot in a store wandering their aisles, hunting for razors, shampoo, body wash, toothpaste, none of it. Clean up your bathroom and your morning routine. Join Dollar Shave Club today and for just $10, for just, excuse me, make that five. For just $5 with free shipping, you'll get the six-blade executive razor plus trial sizes of shea butter and body cleanser. Five bucks. 
then keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash mark. dollarshaveclub.com slash mark. One more time, dollarshaveclub.com slash mark. Well, let's see what's going on in the world of cultural balkanization that the left has created for us. This is in the Jerusalem Post. Women's March leaders slam anti-defamation league call group Islamophobic anti-minority. Okay, what's this all about? New York, leaders of the progressive women's march movement, the progressive, it's Marxist, slammed the anti-defamation league on Tuesday as an organization that constantly attacks minorities of color around the world after Starbucks announced that it enlisted the civil rights group to lead sensitivity training for its employees. Now, this creates all kinds of issues. So in other words, if you criticize Louis Farrakhan for his Jew-hating ranting, you're against minorities? How do you like that? In light of the anti-defamation leagues, come on, computer, damn it. In light of the ADL's participation, Women's March co-president, Tamika, I didn't get to print it out, so I got a Tamika Mallory called for a boycott. What is it with these leftists and boycotts? So now boycott Starbucks. I rarely ever go to Starbucks. Who goes to Starbucks? Some conservatives, but mostly leftists. They're shutting down all their stores for sensitivity training because of what took place in Philadelphia with the arrest of two black guys who shouldn't have been arrested, apparently. The chain is known to be left-wing. The CEO is known to be left-wing. So you got left-wingers fighting with left-wingers. And, of course, it's the Jews' fault. Isn't that always the way, Mr. Producer? Well, I have an idea, ladies and gentlemen. Go to Dunkin' Donuts. Or the other coffee shops out there. There's a lot of mom-and-pop coffee shops out there. Look, you can't buy that on the Internet. So go to one of those. And don't go to Starbucks. Let them have their Starbucks. Sensitivity training. I can't even get into this. Do you know I have to take an hour and a half of sensitivity training on Friday, Mr. Producer? One of my new employers requires me to take sensitivity training. So I said, I don't need sensitivity training. I treat everybody like a human being. I don't care what they look like. I don't care if they're fat, skinny. I don't care what their race is. I don't care what their religion is. I don't know what kind of genitalia they have. I don't even ask them what they do with their genitalia. I treat everybody as an individual. Not got to have sensitivity training. I have to have sensitivity training. It's like I have to belong to SAG. That damn union. Screen Actors Guild. Ooh. I don't want to be a member of the Screen Act. Well, you have to, or you can't work. Oh, it's America. So I'm a member of a union I don't want to be a member of, and i got to take sensitivity training. Meanwhile, the leader of the Women's March movement, wasn't the Comey's wife and daughters, weren't they involved in the Women's March movement? Yes. They marched. The uh, bourgeoisie of the left. They all marched. So now the Anti-Defamation League is a 
minority-hating organization, and we should boycott Starbucks. I'm getting uh, really confused with all these boycotts. This kid, David Hogg, he wants us to boycott a whole bunch of companies. Uh, the Black, what is it, Black Lives Matter or the Women's March Group? They want us to boycott a whole bunch of companies and people? I have a better idea. Leave us the hell alone. Leave us alone. We don't need sensitivity training. We don't need to be leading boycotts. Just leave us alone. But that'll never happen. Now let's get back to the nutjobs who are all over TV. Chris Murphy, this backbencher from Connecticut. He's always on TV because he says the most provocative, stupid things you can imagine. He's he's sort of the new Joe Biden. Joe Biden, what's he, 812 years old? But here's Chris Murphy, again on MSLSD on the morning schmo, about the president meeting with the North Korean dictator and inbred. Cut 11, go. Uh, I'm glad that there are there's some preparatory work uh, happening for uh, this potential summit between Trump and Kim Jong-un. I'm very worried uh, that this summit is going to go very badly and then uh, surrounded by hawks like John Bolton and Mike Pompeo. The president is going to be convinced that diplomacy has failed and the only option left is a military action. Chris Murphy, everybody. Well, let's try and unwrap this briefly. But it's very, very hard to unwrap something that comes out of the mouth of a mental patient. Now, let's do the best we can. First of all, there wouldn't be a summit but for what Donald Trump has done in a very responsible way with respect to North Korea. He's handled it beautifully. Beautifully. Unlike Barack Milhouse, Benito Obama, and that crowd. Unlike B.J., Bill Jefferson, Clinton, who basically armed the North Koreans. And the Chinese. That's number one. I like to do my numbers. Number two. There's going to be a summit. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we've been negotiating with the the genocidal murders, this family in North Korea, for 30 years through Republican and Democrat presidents. And each time they said, no, no, we're not going to build nukes. No, why would we do that? Or we need nuclear power to help our people, you know, like the Iranian government. And if you watch Levin TV, we have this, this scroll that I do on our monitor that is so long of all the agreements that have been made with the North Koreans and so forth, all the discussions that have been held, to no avail whatsoever. Quite, quite frankly, to avail. Because now they've nuked up. But don't worry, everybody. Now they're going to agree to denuclearize. No, what they want to do is try and tamp it down until Trump's gone. Because they know the next Democrat, President Kamala Harris. Yay! President Bernie Sanders. Put your teeth back in your mouth. Oh, yeah. Bernie Sanders. Or Cory Booker. (coughs) I don't think Cory Booker will talk to Kim Jong-un because I don't believe he supports gay marriage. I could be wrong about that. But you have this loathsome Chris Murphy. He's on there trashing our president, not the dictator in North Korea who's slaughtering his own people. And then he's trashing John Bolton, who has 
more brains than Chris Murphy's entire family put together. And same with Mike Pompeo. They just want to cripple this president. So, John Bolton's a warmonger. Mike Pompeo's a warmonger. The president of the United States is mentally unstable. Meanwhile, the guy in North Korea, you know, we've got to show him respect. We've got we to use diplomacy there. You know, we've got to do this. We've got we to do that. This is Chris. See if you can get Chris Murphy on the show, will you, Mr. Producer? We try to get all these lips, whether the Republicans are done. They won't come on the show. They won't come on my show. But Chris Murphy's everywhere. Chris Murphy's everywhere. Open the door, there's Chris Murphy. Go to Bob's Big Boy, there's Grit. They don't even have them anymore. All right, let me pick another one. Waffle House, there's uh, the Falafel House. He's there too. No matter where you go, this guy shows up. Chris Murphy. He's a nobody. Your senator from what? Connecticut. No offense, Connecticut's barely a state. What? I'm just saying. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Looks like some dirty tricks in the race in Florida for governor in the Republican primary against our favorite, Ron DeSantis, who I endorsed, solid as can be. Been an outstanding congressman. He's running for uh, governor in the Republican primary. And there's a sleazy organization apparently funded by the sugar lobby, Big Sugar, which gets enormous subsidies from you and me, by the way, and that ought to stop. And DeSantis has never supported those subsidies. And he's running against the Agriculture Commissioner, Adam Putnam, who is the establishment's pick. And these ads are destroying or trying to destroy DeSantis, the conservative, and help Putnam. And there's this group that's created the National Liberty Federation, which is anything but. Anything but. So uh, we'll take a look at this tomorrow a little bit more clearly and to see what's going on in uh, Florida because I think this portends what's going to go on in many states as conservatives try to win election and the establishment and their big donors and these and these crooked organizations and these crony capitalists all team up to try and take out the conservatives, you know. We say, we got to vote, we got to vote, we got to vote. But things are going on out there that I want to make you aware of. So we're going to take a closer look at Florida uh, and what's going on with U.S. Sugar's fingerprints on $700,000 in attack ads against longtime foe DeSantis. And uh, they are intended to help the this guy Putnam, claims to be a conservative. I remember him, he was on this program once. He's the agriculture commissioner. Wow. And uh, he's the establishment's pick. We're never going to come out from under, folks, if we don't start defeating these people. We're just not. And we have a huge audience in Florida and all around the nation. I want you to be aware of it. Hillsdale College is educating millions of Americans on freedom in the Constitution, economics, history, and other areas through their free online courses. And many of you have taken one. They also teach congressional staff and other leaders constitutional principles at the Hillsdale Kirby Center in Washington, D.C. 
And I'm sure you've heard how Hillsdale is partnering with charter schools, too. And how every student on their main campus is required to study the Constitution, regardless of whether they major in music, chemistry, mathematics, English, or anything else. Now, Hillsdale does all this as part of their mission. Their mission to help all Americans pursue truth and defend liberty. To help Americans become better citizens. To preserve freedom. Now they're sending a copy of the Constitution and Declaration of Independence to every middle and high public school principal in America, along with an offer to provide free copies for every student. Learn how you can help in this effort, how you can get your own copy of Hillsdale's Pocket Constitution to give or keep at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. Okay. Let's go to Alex, Gainesville, Florida, Sirius Satellite. You've seen these ads, uh, Trashing DeSantis, funded by the, the crony capitalist sugar uh, front group. Are you no, seeing I any of that yet I, in Gainesville? No, I can't say I've seen any, but I don't usually watch much live TV anymore. All right. I've only gone to Netflix. Okay. You're on. Anyway, I wanted to make a point that I noticed about this whole Hannity, Cohen, and Trump and Stormy Daniels debacle seems to me that they are, the left is intentionally you know, bringing all these non-issues into the forefront, along with all these you know little minute details, and blowing them way out of proportion to intentionally muddy the waters to prevent people like me, who are not lawyers, who barely know anything about law, especially as it relates to campaign finance to tell from what's really going on. But you know what's really going on. It's a smear operation. Of course it is. Well, that's what you need to know. And uh, I've gone through the particulars in plain English, not in legalese. And uh, the media are just out to take down not just Trump, but anybody around Trump. It's a family member. You remember a couple weeks ago they they were spouting off about whether or not Melania Trump, uh, how she got her immigration status. Remember that? I do. They just, they, they, they have uh, no class, no limits. And one day Trump won't be here. But the media will still be hated because people are not going to forget this. People like you and people like me, are we? Absolutely not. All right, my friend, thank you. Mr. Producer, my screen went black. Who do you recommend that I speak to quickly, please? The great K-P-E-L, Steve, Louisiana. Go right ahead. Be fast, man. I have 15-year listener, never called, but you, you always you. make me think. You're a great man. Thank you. Mark, really quick, uh, these judges reach a broader issue. All these judges making their own rules, politically mm-hmm. biased executive decisions. Uh, we're talking DACA. We're talking travel ban. I chose Trump to knock over the D.C. racket. Obama's mm-hmm. racket, I endured for eight years. I elected a bowling ball to knock it over. I sent a bowl to the China shop, kicked over the tables. I want to know, how do we break up the judicial China <laughs> shop that is taking away my vote? What do we do, Mark? I only know of one way, and I wrote about it in the Liberty Amendments. We're going to send you this book, so don't hang up. And that is <clears throat> uh, three things that I propose in the book. Number one, we need to term limit Supreme Court justices. Uh, because they've become way too powerful, way too political, far more than the framers ever intended or would have expected. And there's no way a single state would have ratified the Constitution 
if they knew that they lived at the behest of a federal judge. Back to my numbers. Number two, what else do we do? I also propose that we we pass an amendment to the Constitution through the state processes uh, that empowers Congress by two-thirds vote of both houses of Congress to null and void a Supreme Court majority decision within 24 months. They can't rewrite it. They can't issue their own opinion. But there's no reason the last word should be five justices. Excuse me. No reason whatsoever. And still, that's a big hurdle. Actually, three-fifths, not two-thirds, three-fifths of both. Then the third way, and I think even the best, is that the state legislatures, three-fifths of the state legislatures, can void a majority Supreme Court decision if they act within 24 months. So, you know, we have some stability and certainty. And my thinking there is we need a broader body politic, not a plurality, not a populist movement, none of that stuff, but a broader body politic that makes final decisions about matters that are of such consequence to the American people. Fundamental rights should not be determined by five people. One judge votes this way, one justice votes with the other side, suddenly it's not a fundamental right. They vote with the other side, suddenly it is a fundamental right. That's just irrational. Thank you for your excellent call. Appreciate it, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, and you, the American people. Check out Levin TV tonight, and I will see you tomorrow. God bless.